0: Um, you you yeah. good? Yeah. Hey guys, uh, welcome to another episode of Borderless. I have uh, my boss here today. She's amazing. You know, uh, welcome to the show, Kayla.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm super excited.
0: Me too. Me too. Um, so I think I, I met you in uh, 2016 when I went for the interview. Yeah. Yeah. It and was and 2017.
1: 17. Spring of 2017. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so I don't think we we've talked much outside work, you know. Right. But you're such an amazing person, and that's one of the reasons reason why I was like, you need to be on the show. Like I need to get to know you better, you know. Um, you've been such a an inspiration to me, um, and to like lots of other students mm-hmm. as well. So I was like, I probably need to get to know you better before I leave.
1: Okay. Yes. Like, um,
0: but like, uh, where where are
1: you from? Like. So first, thank you. All the kind of words. I love my students, and so I don't even think of it as work. I always find it so weird when uh, my students will introduce me as like my oh this is my boss Kayla, and I'm like yeah, but like we're all family, so you know. Um, but I myself am from Amarillo, Texas, tip top panhandle, the only part of the state that looks like an actual shape, bam, yeah. smack dab in the <laughs> middle, um, flatlands, brown grass and a whole lot of cows yeah yeah not too
0: much so how did you how did you end up in oklahoma
1: so um, i'm a first generation college student my mom didn't go to college come from a single parent household um but when i got to high school i started attending a new church and i started babysitting for this really nice family this black family and um they just kind of became Aunt, uncle, godmom, godfather, like the kinship in the black community. Mm. You know, like they weren't family, but they became family. Um, And so I call her my aunt, Lisa. She graduated from OU. She was so gung ho, boomer, (laughs) sooner, everything. annoyingly so to the point that I wanted nothing to do with OU. She's like, oh, you should look at OU, this and that. And I'm like, no, I'm good. And coming from Texas, I also have all those Texas influences. So I knew that I was going to go to college, but I wasn't quite sure where. Had been to Texas Tech a couple of times, had been to Baylor, um, like on a field trip or whatnot, and so my idea was I'm just gonna stay in Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't until my senior year that I actually started thinking about things, and I don't remember what it was, but something prompted me to ask her if she would bring me to Sooner Saturday, which is one of the largest events, and at that point in time, it was for seniors. So it was early in uh, the fall semester for seniors, now it's for juniors. But I go the beginning of my senior year, me and my best friend, um, we're touring campus, and I mean, in all of like 10 minutes or so, I just fell in love and yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I love this place. This is where, this is it. A complete 180 because I had mm, absolutely mm. no interest in attending OU whatsoever. Um, and so I went home, submitted my application, and actually received my admissions letter. Nice. The Christmas Eve. Of my senior year, so talk about a Christmas present. Nice. I was so excited, uh, but at that point, I was then left with the okay. Now, how do I pay for School. OU? Because I'm an out-of-state student. Yeah,
0: um,
1: yeah. And we don't have any money. And
0: OU is expensive. And
1: OU is a pretty <laughs> little penny. I think at that point, it was like forty thousand dollars or so for a non-resident student. Uh, But during that time my senior year, I was working really hard on scholarships and whatnot Mm. and I was applying for a really big scholarship the gates millennium And if I received it, it was gonna pay for my entire cost of tuition Anywhere I wanted to go however long I needed to study under certain fields Um, and I was Yes, I was blessed But I also worked very very hard Mm -hmm. and received the scholarship was notified in April of my senior year, and that made OU possible for me. Nice. So I came here and um, had my entire tu- tuition fees, everything paid, paid for, it. like I pa- I didn't have That's to worry amazing. about paying anything. Um, and I had secured some other outside scholarships as well. So I was actually getting paid to go to school, got a refund check every semester. Wow. Financial literacy wow. was not a strength at that point. I'm like, man, <laughs> what I could have done if I was smart with that money. Not like um. But after, so I came here for undergrad, and whenever I graduated, I went to the University of Kentucky for my master's, um, and upon graduation there, there were, there were a couple of positions that opened, and it was just the perfect opportunity for me to transition into uh, a space where I could serve students, mm-hmm that were in the exact same positions that I was in when I was in high school trying to figure out, okay, mm-hmm. what does this college thing Where do I go look to like? And so it was a smooth little transition. And now I think of myself as a Texas transplant. Like I'm from Texas, but Oklahoma's kind of home now. Yeah. So yeah, it all kind of came full okay, we'll circle.
0: <laughs> nice, nice. That's amazing. Um, I mean, I think, I think that's a story with a lot of minorities here on campus. You know, a lot of us are like first generation students. I myself my mom dad didn't go to college you know so it was hard just (coughs) having someone to look up to Mm -hmm. you know but I went to a good school back home and my friends were like super competitive so that kind of like helped me stay in the loop of just wanting to you know be more wanting to like just do more Mm -hmm. you know I I remember we had an exam one time where um, like a 96% was a fail so how it works back home is they they take the mean basically, okay. so let's say twenty people take this exam and then the mean was a 70 so everyone below a 70 fails everyone above. Oh, so, so yeah we took an exam one time <laughs> and ninety six was a fail, so like people were like super competitive there you know so that oh kind of like gosh. helped me the whole time just wanting to do more wanting to be more you know just study hard enough you know.
1: In that atmosphere, it's like a dog eat dog world, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> it is, it wow.
0: is, it is. But um, being a first generation student, what did that mean for you? Like when you got all this money, when you got all this scholarship, and you are like for sure I'm going to college. Like, what? How did that feel for you? Oh,
1: man. So um, we grew up in extreme poverty, but my mom did a really good job of not letting us know Mm -hmm. that we were poor or she masked the fact that we were poor Mm -hmm. Um, and it wasn't until I got to high school that some of those things started actualizing and so uh, high school students are just mean. If you weren't wearing like the name brand clothes or the shoes or like if you didn't have a certain kind of car, you slowly but surely started Mm -hmm. to see where you fit in this classless Mm -hmm. hierarchy of high school, right? And so at that point it was made very apparent that I was poor. Um, and I saw my mom struggle on her own. Um, she didn't, she gave up a scholarship so that she could have me. Um, she actually had a four-ride scholarship oh, wow. and found out that she was pregnant with me. And my mom's white. So when she found out that she was pregnant, she went and told her parents who were also white and they just happened to know um, that she was attracted to black men. They didn't like that very much. And they asked her if she was having a black baby. And when she said, yeah, they said, okay, well, get rid of it or get out. And uh, when she made the decision to keep me and to take care of me, they completely cut her off. Kicked her out of the house, um, stopped supporting her financially. And she was made to fend for herself. Um, And so growing up, she struggled. She did it all completely on her own and um, I just saw a lot of things that I didn't want for my life not that it was anything that my mom did wrong um, it was simply she gave up that college education mm-hmm. so that I could mm-hmm. have a life mm-hmm. and by giving up that college education came the sacrifice of you know some of the opportunities that come with it and I realized that if I wanted to do better for myself I had to go to college and But I also come from a high school where many students will either go to the community college or Mm -hmm. they'll go to like the D3 university that's right there on the outskirts of town. And they don't, they never leave our hometown. Mm. Um, I just knew that I was destined for something bigger and better. Um, I just said, no, how do I do this? It's crazy. Even now as a 27 year old, I have a a somewhat of a vision, but I'm still like, okay, how do I do this thing? Um, but being a first generation student to me just means that I am in a position to break a generational cycle, and mm-hmm. um, the last thing that I want is to bring children into this world that lack some of the resources that I lacked. Um, you know, there are two kinds of people: those who see things that they don't want yet choose to be complacent in their uh, in their current space and contribute to the mm-hmm. cycle. Mm-hmm. Or there are those that see things that they don't want and make an active decision to disrupt Absolutely. that cycle. Absolutely. And that's exactly what I'm doing. Um, was it difficult? Yeah, it was scary. I It was crazy. I was surrounded by lower income, uneducated black people, black students, black high school mm-hmm. peers mm-hmm. or whatnot, and their families. Um, so coming to college, I was exposed to... A plethora of different types of black people yeah. um, It was like one of the first times that I met people my age like black students my age that came from affluent households that were third or fourth generation college students and Whoa. it was just seeing the experiences and for a short period of time uh, minimizing who I was mm. and not sharing where I came from with mm-hmm. people because it was so completely different and I didn't think that they would understand. Uh, but now I realize that there were so many more students that came from very similar backgrounds um, and we began to hold, e- hold each other accountable in this process of, hey, you don't know what you're doing. I don't know what I'm doing. Let's figure this out yeah, yeah. together. And it works great because now in the work that I do serving high school students who are largely first mm-hmm. generation, mm-hmm. I get to use that experience. and talk about what is it that I wish that I would have known? And how can I now having lived through some of these things, Mm -hmm. prevent you from having to experience some of the barriers that I experienced because I have the tools that I can equip you with. So you don't have to worry about those things. Absolutely, It's pretty awesome.
0: I mean, but look at you now, Kayla, you know, like,
1: you know, I just, I think it's crazy. Amazing. When your purpose aligns with, your story mm-hmm. and your experience and i'm just super lucky to be in a position where that's exactly absolutely what happened absolutely for me
0: and and just like you said there are two types of people who, you know those who make active decisions to say hey i don't want to mm-hmm. be part of the cycle you know and now you're helping students who are first generation students you know um like you said tell them about college about your experience mm-hmm. and just kind of like give them um an opportunity to make better decisions you know like as simple as just i want to go to college first of all
1: yeah you know because a
0: lot of these kids finish high school and they're like you know i just want to go to work i just want to walk go to mcdonald's mm. or some someplace else it's
1: easy yeah it
0: is it is and once you start making money you just get into that cycle you know you're like well i'm making money i'm I'm surviving i don't need the college education you know so it's it's amazing what you're doing and just like you said when your story aligns with your purpose it's so easy and these kids can easily relate to you basically mm-hmm. you know and that's a good part of this all um but what 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 are like some of the challenges you face growing up as a black woman like just growing up in the u.s you know with all the story with your mom and 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 their family and
1: so that that is so very interesting i will tell you I didn't actually step into my full identity as a black woman until I got to college, because growing up with my mom, who is white, and um, she tended to be somewhat in the culture. I guess you could say mm-hmm. she um, she was atta- she was attracted to black men, and so she knew the music, she knew the language, um, you know, things of that sort. But the experience was something that she was completely ignorant to. Um, And I found myself in this really weird space being mixed where um, I was too white for the black kids and I was too black for the white kids. And so for the longest time, I struggled with this, okay, well, who am I then? Mm -hmm. And where do I belong? Um, Because my father's not in the picture. I don't know who he is. I'm not sure I'll ever know who he is. And so it's like, there's this entire other half of my identity that I have no exposure to. I was raised white, pretty much. Um, but because I was in that weird space of not knowing who I was, mm-hmm. I just happened to make friends with some of my, um, some of my Latino peers. And like, they didn't care. They just kind of took me in like family. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's the Latino culture that I actually kind of fed into and encompassed as a part of my identity all the way through high school. Um, I spent some time in Mexico, I learned Spanish, I'm fluent in Spanish and so that paired with the curly hair and the light skin people would just assume that I'm Dominican Mm -hmm. or I'm Puerto Rican um, and they wouldn't think twice about you know just bringing me into a conversation or allowing me Mm -hmm. to be part of something that they Mm -hmm. had going on. It wasn't until I got to college um, that I found myself hanging out with the black folks and Um, At that point, I definitely got some comments about being light-skinned and about, you know, speaking Spanish or whatnot, but at no point in time was my blackness ever denied Mm -hmm. or disregarded. If Mm -hmm. anything, um, I had specific people that reminded me of the fact Mm -hmm. that I was black, like, no, baby, (laughs) you're black, okay? And so it was just very interesting. At that point, I I also started taking classes in African and African-American studies. So I got the historical aspect of this other side of my identity as well, um, which allowed me to gain a divine appreciation for our history and our ancestors and the work that Africans and African-Americans contributed to um, this country and the the, the establishment, the creation of the majority Mm -hmm. of the money makers in this mm-hmm, country. And mm-hmm. So I don't I didn't really have too many like experiences as a black woman growing up or as a black girl growing up because it wasn't a part of my identity yeah. that I really understood. Um, but now it's something that that is just who I am and that I've really stepped into and can own learning about my history having um, experienced that culture really deep now um, I remember my first black Thanksgiving that I went to with Lisa and Albert so my godparents my aunt and uncle um, that family I remember they took me to Memphis with them for Thanksgiving one day um, or, or one year and it was just so it's like the stuff that you see in movies I was excited and just overwhelmed yeah. like Oh my goodness, there were um, the women in the kitchen. They were cooking and you just smell all of the amazing food. And I'm a foodie, so I was there for it. Um, There was like the older men and women, they were in the den with the organ and with the bass. And they were like uh, singing and and playing Mm -hmm. to like gospel music and whatnot. You had kids running around all over the place. The men were in the living room watching the football game. And I just remember being surrounded by all things black culture and was just so like, oh my gosh, what have I been missing out on Mm -hmm. my entire Mm -hmm. life? Mm -hmm. Um, And so they kind of opened the door to exploring that black identity for Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. Um, And now, I can't can't say that I'm not white because I understand that's a part of who I am, but I present to the world as a black female. I am seen as a black female, therefore I walk in this identity as a black female. Absolutely, absolutely crazy
0: right I mean I'm, I'm so glad you you know you embrace that part of you and not only that but you kind of like um, want to know more
1: mm-hmm.
0: like you said you took African American classes um, and then the Thanksgiving kind of like opened that space for you to kind of like want to know more about your identity and now you... I
1: got an Ancestry DNA test. Oh. Yes. Um, So I took an Ancestry DNA test a couple years ago uh, because again, I don't know my dad. I don't Mm -hmm. know if I'll ever know anything about him Mm -hmm. and so like my black half, I don't... I had no clue where my actual roots came from Um, and so I took an Ancestry DNA test and it was crazy. So I have um, Ancestry from um, the Congo really and been in Togo nice and Nigeria oh and I was excited about that one nice. would, like once I uh made friends with some of my with some of my black colleagues here some of them were Nigerian mm, and I would mm, always mm, joke mm. like you know what I love Ni-, like <laughs> having met you all I love Nigerian culture mm, mm. I can bet you I'm I'm Nigerian you should, you somewhere should, deep down and they I would always like sometime. joke with them and they never believed me and then it came out and I'm like ah.
0: i am nigerian wow
1: (laughs) um and that's a plan at some point i would love to make a trip to the continent and specifically nigeria and kind of that area and just get exposed to the real that's that's all
0: west west africa so it's gonna be easy for you to move from like benin to nigeria to togo yeah because it's all in the west you know so you should shoot them back at that
1: sometime i know
0: (laughs) i love it (laughs) West Africa school. I mean, the food, the music, like that's where everything is, basically.
1: That's one thing I didn't get. I didn't inherit any rhythm, unfortunately. We're going to work on that. We
0: can work on can it, work on absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving forward, uh, how did you end up like working for admissions and like DEP specifically?
1: Okay. So um, I served as an intern when I was an undergrad, an intern for the Office of Diversity Enrichment Programs. So kind of like what? yeah exactly what Ooh, you do nice. I, like you're an intern you've been an intern for two years yeah. I was an intern um, and so that was kind of my first exposure to DEP mm-hmm. and I didn't have the opportunity to go back to my high school because where I'm from like we don't reach those areas just mm-hmm. yet or not in a DEP capacity with mm-hmm. the students mm-hmm. um, but just to be able to work with high school students period and share my experience and share my story and get them excited about coming mm-hmm. to a place that I loved and mm-hmm. um, it was awesome, and so did it all three years, and whenever I was graduating with my master's, I was looking at opportunities here, um, because the thought was, "Hey, how awesome would it be to come back to OU in a staff capacity? Mm-hmm. What do they have going on there? Mm-hmm. Um, I knew people. I was familiar with the area, the campus, the resources, and it was just perfect. Um, interestingly enough. I applied to this job. I emailed someone who worked in the office to let them know, hey, I applied as, you know, can do you have any insight or in advice or anything of that sort? And I never heard back. Um, so I accepted a position in Seattle. I was oh, offered a okay. position with Planned Parenthood in Seattle. And I was one of the very few people in my master's program to graduate with a job waiting on them. So nice. I was excited and I'm like, hey, they've been offered this is where I'm going. I'm gonna go do it. Yeah. And two weeks, so I'm in Texas. I had moved back mm-hmm. to Texas. I had like a month of transitionary period mm-hmm. before moving to Seattle. At like week two or so, I get a call about this position here. Interviews the whole nine and I'm like, Okay, I, I'd love to interview, I let them know my timeline. Like I I've accepted a position elsewhere, Mm -hmm. Um, this has to be expedited. I would love to come back, but this is kind of what my timeline looks like. I remember interviewing and um, towards the end of the interview, I asked for a timeline. What's you all's expected? Like, When are you looking to hire? And it was around this same period because I remember they were preparing for the conference that I'm getting ready to go to Mm -hmm. next week. And they said, well, we're going to a conference next week. And then we've got a couple interviews the week after that. And so we're looking at about three weeks or so, which was past my timeline. Um, and so I had to I had to make a decision. And I prayed about it. And it was a, okay, God, I would love to be here. But I've got this up here. I'm putting this in your hands. You let me know how to proceed. Um, because I knew that it was that weird middle area of like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have heard from OU before mm-hmm. it was time for me mm-hmm. to go to Seattle. Yep. So if I chose to wait on OU, I would have given up this opportunity in Seattle, not knowing pick. I had something here. The biggest leap of faith ever. Um, but there came a time when I found some peace and I was like, okay, this is it. I called Seattle, I told him that I wasn't coming and I waited and I happened to be chaperoning trip of high school students to visit OU's campus when they call me and offer me the job and uh, so I came back in that capacity and the ability to serve these students Mm -hmm. and to relate to them and Mm -hmm. I look like I'm 12 half the time so they just think (laughs) I'm one of them and I'm just excited as they are Mm -hmm. so um, I'm just high energy and I pop into these high schools and I'm like Hey, you have dreams. Let's make them yeah, happen. Yeah. Here's how we're gonna do it. Yeah. Um, and so DEP has been pretty consistent in my life since I was an undergrad, and mm-hmm. now to for even this to come full circle and for me to be in a position where you know I'm working with some of my some of the people that were mentors, like Jared. Mm-hmm. He was my supervisor when I was a DEP the intern. Tasequah JT. Yeah. yeah. So he was my supervisor. We're really. now colleagues, and so it's crazy to see how. Um, I get to be involved in a capacity that really changes lives. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. the cool thing about it. When you look at the impact of the work that we do, I'm blessed to be in a position where I don't have to worry about one of these dead-end jobs Mm -hmm. or getting stuck in a routine Mm -hmm. where you hate your life, Mm -hmm. you get up, you go to work, but you have to do it because you've got bills to pay. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I hate this.
0: Absolutely.
1: I wake up in the morning and I'm excited to go to work. I see the impact both immediately, but also long-term when the students get here to campus Mm -hmm. and, it's just mm-hmm. fulfilling and exciting mm-hmm. like
0: what i mean absolutely i mean I, I think that's something that and that's why a lot of us kind of like try to like give our best to DEP because mm-hmm. we see how much you love the ep how much you love the work you do <laughs> and that was this day i think it was soon as today actually um when you, I, we were supposed to be there at six at six o'clock
1: in the morning yeah six
0: o'clock in the morning <laughs> yeah and then i woke up i opened my group me Kayla is making a video I'm like how how does she have all this energy (laughs) yeah like how you know and I literally just woke up at that time I I was like yo you know and for me that that, that, yeah yeah. I woke up and I I had to go take a shower and dress up and and go but like we see all those all those things she do how much energy you put into it how much effort she put into it and that kind of like makes us you know be more responsible and say hey you know like you have to put much yes. energy into this as well
1: that's the goal i'm trying to get you all here to be great like let's be great <laughs>
0: together um so basically you uh you grew up like you said in uh in poverty and then look where you are look where you are today basically so for the students who you, you you're dealing with now like when did you realize you wanted to you know kind of like mentor them or help them like at what point did you realize uh, this is what I want to do
1: it wasn't until probably I transitioned into this role um, because uh, previous to this I told you I accepted a position with Planned Parenthood and I got my master's in public health so the goal there was to work in a space where I could provide sexual health education to populations who needed it the most. So I knew that I wanted to work with underrepresented populations in some capacity, Mm -hmm. and I knew that I wanted to be helping people in some form or fashion. Initially, it was in the health field. Um, But when I transitioned into this role and I got firsthand insight into the power and the influence that we have over these students' lives, I understood and realized that this is, one, it's a responsibility and it's one that can't be taken lightly, like understanding you have students' futures in your hands Mm -hmm. sometimes. Mm -hmm. And um, it was just kind of one of those things that clicked for me, like who better than to influence these students and to encourage and to empower these students than someone who's been exactly where they've been. They've been. Absolutely. Um, and when I would visit with them, it was just reinforced when I would share my story and I would let them know I, I had the exact same thoughts. This is how I did it. They would come up to me and they would let me know like, hey, I was sitting here and I didn't think that OU was a thing for me. And then you came and you spoke and how, spoke about how possible it was. and." now i think i can do it like can you help me do it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. these students have an entire society telling them that they can't because of the color of their skin because of the neighborhood that they grow up in because of the school that they go to they've got teachers counselors and principals that are telling them that you know ou is too big for you only oh only wants your money maybe you should go somewhere smaller and realizing that all they needed to see was one person who could tell them that, no, you absolutely can, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and here's how I'm going to help you do it, made all the difference. And I realized, okay, this is, this is it. The fact that it came so naturally, I never felt like I was at work. I, I got a feeling of like, this is what you're supposed to be doing. And now three years in, I've got students from a school who, the school itself reinforced, hey, you should be looking elsewhere. Don't look at OU. Now going into their junior year of college here on OU's campus, um, I've got an entire board of of thank you letters and of graduation announcements because that just reminds me of my why. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I sometimes joke about being in the being in the business of of changing lives but i realize that it's by no means a joke that's literally what we're doing Mm -hmm. sometimes and hearing from students who'll be like hey i couldn't be here if it weren't for you i wouldn't be here Mm -hmm. if it weren't for me meeting you my senior year and forming a relationship with you and you walking me through this process it's man it's it's crazy and now i'm in a position where i can't see myself doing anything else that's amazing period don't that's amazing nothing else
0: <laughs> that's amazing and I'm, I'm so happy you love what you're doing honestly because it's so hard for people to usually f- to find something they enjoy doing and just stay with it so you know I had a friend who um, just like you he we, we started we started in the business school together mm-hmm. you know um, he's really good at making videos like really good like he's talented
1: yeah
0: but he was doing business and then he realized I need to move to Gaylord any move is 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 enjoying his life right now, you know. So like right. just studying what you love, you know. So it's I'm like I'm so happy for you, you know. And like I said, we see the energy you put in, and you you literally changing lives. I remember when we had the um, the send off for the seniors, mm-hmm. and everyone was like literally crying, and people were saying thank you so much, Kayla. Like you know you and Trey, you know you guys do so much for us, and not just for us, but for like students coming in. You know and like you said I don't know if it was uh, what's them, sad mm-hmm. saying it, like they literally meet students who they've given touch to before they're like I'm here because of you like yeah. and that feeling is is everything
1: you can't replace it and um, it's just one of those things I I do it not for the thanks or for the gratification that comes with it but because I've been there and I understand mm-hmm. that there were specific people mm-hmm. In my life that saw something in me and poured into me um, and I wouldn't be here if it weren't for very specific people Absolutely. and I can pinpoint those people and I can name them and so knowing that I can be that person for someone else not for my own gratification or not to get the oh thank you Kayla I wouldn't be here without you mm-hmm. but to see you on campus mm-hmm. thriving to see doors opened for you and opportunities provided because you had the courage to work with me and mm-hmm. to take this step and charter into unmarked waters, Absolutely. and experience something that no one in your family has done before. Yeah. And man, yeah. I'm, wait, we out here, <laughs> Michael. What?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, Kayla, you know you you are amazing. You 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 always smiling. You're always so happy. You're always so cheerful. Have you always been like this, or was this something that developed, you know, along the way?
1: Um, I've always been high energy. I <laughs> I talk, and I talk a lot. Um, I was one of those students in, like, elementary school. Always had good grades, yeah. like straight A's, but my report, report card would come home, and I would have straight A's, and then I would have checks on my report card for excessive talking. My teachers would be like, she's so smart, <laughs> but she talks so much. Um, so they put
0: checks on the report cards for talking?
1: Yes, like any of, like negative characteristics Mm -hmm. or things Mm -hmm. that they perceived as um, negatively affecting a student's ability to learn so that the parents knew like, hey, you need to work on this Mm -hmm. with your kids. And I would always get checks for talking. She talks. She talks. Uh, I'd been (laughs) moved so so many times. Uh, I remember my junior year of high school, my AP English teacher, I was having a conversation with my friend at the time. Like We were both talking, Mm -hmm. but she moves me. And I'm like... (laughs) it takes two people to have a conversation why am i the only one being moved here it's like because you just talk too much um so i would say in terms of the energy i've always been high energy Um, excitement i have just there was definitely a time in my life when i tended to focus a lot on the negative i was very nitpicky um, and lacked self-awareness. I lacked respect for myself, which contributed to my mood sometimes and the actions which would affect my moods. Um, but here in the past couple of years, really just stepping into who I am outside of other people, like owning my identity and my personality and not worrying about what other people think about me. I think a lot for a long time, I was seeking validation in other people, Mm -hmm. other people's approval, other people's affirmation and validation and um, doing things less for myself and more so for the approval of others. And just realized that, I mean, like it's tiring. It's exhausting. At what point are we able to just be us? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so having stepped into that and and owning it and trust, it's still a work in progress. Mm -hmm. There are definitely still times Mm -hmm. when I find myself Um, Hey, what do you think about this and a little too preoccupied not Mm -hmm. the way that I used to be but still somewhat preoccupied with other people's perceptions, but Really just transitioning into a This is who I am and there's not a whole lot of things that that can move me Um, And when you're you're confident and you're comfortable in yourself and in your skin um, in your purpose then I just have found contentment. You gotta stop Absolutely. comparing yourself to other people. We're so prone to what is so-and-so doing and they're doing this at this age and I feel like I should be doing more and mm-hmm. we get lost in the um, in in the puzzle that is who am I compared to someone else? And just come to realize that my purpose is yeah. for me. What yeah. is for me is for it's me. For you. Yeah. And yeah there's nothing that can change that outside of me like the only person that can stand in the way of my purpose is me yeah um (laughs) so now i'm just one of those really happy go lucky um super excited high energy that's amazing um i understand that my mood moves others
0: absolutely and so i woke up that day
1: (laughs) i just refuse to be someone that's going to be a debbie downer or you know spreading my negative energy to Mm -hmm, other people mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i've also found that sometimes it's checking your own negative energy actually yesterday it's like nine o'clock in the morning i got an email that i just didn't like and it's like man my day and then i actively told myself actually you know what no i'm not gonna let this ruin my day this is small let's get stuff done like speaking those things Mm -hmm. over myself and reinforcing them absolutely necessary
0: it is. That's amazing. You know, I saw a quote once which says, as long as you keep comparing yourself with people, I'm just paraphrasing, mm-hmm. you'll always be behind them because you're like comparing yourself with that guy. You know, it's like, oh, he's here. Like, mm-hmm. I need to. So you never get to be on top of them because you always want to be where they are. You know, and I'm like, whoa, that's actually that's actually true. Yeah.
1: Like, you know? focus on On yourself. You. Yeah. Because yeah. you also don't know what... They're encountering or what they're going through exactly. in this process. Exactly. All you see is the output. Exactly. But Results. do you see? Yeah. Mhm.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's it's important we focus on ourselves because there's so much we can learn. You know, like people change, like you change, and sometimes mm-hmm. we don't even realize we change. You know, so you gotta like have to try to know yourself better. every awareness. Like, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but like what, what would you say is your favorite thing or like what are your favorite thing about like working with students and what are like your not so favorite thing working with students
1: and um, favorite thing working with students is getting to know who they are I won't call them kids because at this point they're not <laughs> kids but these young adults they are in a process of stepping into their identity they're going from high school where their parents may do everything for them and their days are structured by school and work or whatever the case may be. And they've got other people dictating how they move in the world, which largely contributes to how they see themselves. Um, I know that our surroundings contribute to our self-perception, right? Mm -hmm. And so in this transitionary period, they are stepping into who they are, outside of their parents outside of their high school identity and being able to like watch them grow I have had students who I see them in their senior year and will have you know a brief conversation but in that brief conversation I'm like okay this one's here gonna go and do they're gonna go do big things they don't know it yet they're gonna do some awesome things. And then getting to watch that actually come to fruition, Mm -hmm. seeing them on campus, taking leadership positions, Mm -hmm. creating conferences, running this organization. Um, It's just amazing to watch that student identity development, Mm -hmm. like in the moment. Um, And I also love that in sharing these, or in in having these relationships with students, they share their lives with me. Um, I consider them, Family, knowing that I don't have too much of a family that I associate with my own, like I'm very, very independent in terms of my outside life, um, and so that concept of family and bringing these students into mm-hmm. my family and them feeling comfortable enough to share their life and Absolutely, their stories and yeah. their struggles with me—it's—it's um, it's just amazing in terms of the things that I don't necessarily like <laughs> about <laughs> working with students. Um, there's not too much outside of the fact that, you know, high school students, are high school students and they just, they don't read sometimes, you know, <laughs> so they'll shoot me an email and they'll be asking me basic questions that one can be found on the internet. Hey, have you typed this into Google just yet?
0: Right.
1: <laughs> you know, or those like in an email that I sent you and they're emailing like, hey, where do I go? And I'm like, baby, refer to the first email where I gave you specific instructions, um, you know, so just like I said, small things, sometimes mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. don't read, sometimes mm-hmm. they ask questions that can be found on google um yeah, yeah, not not too much else like i I understand that these students are full people with full identities mm-hmm. and full personalities, Absolutely. and that like I embrace them mm. Mm-hmm in their entirety. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's something that as I've told you all with DEP, like I wanted to facilitate a place where on this big campus full of white folks and dominant culture where you have to code switch, where you have to assimilate, where you have to minimize yourself. I want you to have at least one place where you can come in and And be authentically you in your full entirety and not worry about what so-and-so is gonna think about this part of you or that part of you. I love you all regardless, and so we love to you many.
0: too. We love you too, Kayla. Honestly, and and for me, like you know, I have a lot of African friends here, and I can always hang out with. But I always wanted to know more about the African American culture. Okay. You know, like we, we come here, we don't interact with um, African Americans for the most part. Yeah. You know, so just go into DEP Sometimes and just hanging out there. I've never felt like an outsider like I've never felt like oh I'm African and he's like we're different You know, like I've always just felt like I belong You know and for me that that meant a lot to me like I like never ever ever have I felt like Well, you African the African Americans, you know, so it, it was a good space for me to just go Talk to people like I was talking about soccer with Trey. Yeah, and and I don't get to talk about soccer with a lot of Americans Mm here. So that was that was a good space for me to just be. Oh, y'all
1: be chopping it up (laughs) about soccer in the office, (laughs) yeah.
0: You know, so I like I really like DEP has been such a huge, uh, you know, part of my of my life here, and it's been good working with the students and, and and everything. But like for DEP, DEP, like your your interns, like what were the challenges? Like what 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 were the things you liked about working with DEP interns, and what didn't you like? Like working with DEP interns?
1: Yeah, my interns, as I said, they're like family, and I just love that they come and everyone brings something completely different to the table. Um, You see on the group me, we've got our jokesters Mm -hmm. and those that are all for humor. And we've got those that when it comes time to get work done, I mean, everyone steps up. But there's always Mm -hmm. a couple of shining stars that are like, I'm here. I I got you. What do you need? Where can I, you know, where can you use me? Um, We've got some that are just really like academically driven. We've got those that will pop in with the random like words of encouragement. And, you know, really just I enjoy seeing you all interact with Mm -hmm. each other Mm -hmm. and because Mm -hmm. I have a very specific individual relationship with every single intern and those relationships are completely different based on Mm -hmm. the intern Mm -hmm. Um, but it's also so cool to see you all kind of come in and interact with each other some of you've known each other beforehand some of you have never met each other Mm -hmm. in your life and so it's Mm -hmm. like how do we come together and it's like we're creating a new family atmosphere every year we are adding (coughs) members to the family every year Mm -hmm. Um, I love the tenacity and the resilience of these students because a lot of them come in with similar stories. Maybe not the exact same experiences, Mm -hmm. but they encountered barriers when they were trying to access higher education. Their parents didn't go to college. Their parents migrated from another country and Mm -hmm. are completely, um, you know, outsiders in dominant culture, they didn't have the money and they're on loans or you know whatever the case may be, they all have similar stories and they come to campus and despite those barriers, they are pushing forward Absolutely. And they are um, disrupting the norm mm-hmm. of what we consider or of what society, tends to make underrepresented populations Mm -hmm. look like and oh I admire y'all I admire them as a whole and I love the fact that I get to be in a position where you all get to be greater than I am because I've done some of these things And I'm gonna warn you hey don't do this Mm -hmm. because I did it and it didn't turn out Mm -hmm. too well for me you know. (laughs) Um, in terms of the things that I don't like, again, there's not too much that I don't like about working with the mm-hmm. interns. Mm-hmm. I mean, small nuance, not necessarily nuances, but things like schedules. I mean, sometimes it's difficult when you're trying that to is, coordinate stuff. Is, you're trying to coordinate 45 different student schedules and I can't really be upset because mm-hmm. I want y'all to be out there being leaders and whatnot. So, oh, I can't come, I've got this organization meeting or I've got to do this or I've got to do that. Um, so coordinating schedules is a bit difficult I would necessarily say I don't like it that's just one of the things mm-hmm. that um, I tend to find a bit difficult um yeah, yeah. even then like I really can't <laughs> think of anything that I don't like
0: yeah from I've, you
1: all's perspective
0: yeah and I feel like you know students just go go into the office sit down study even even though they 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 are you now for like office hours, mm-hmm. you know, and and that that's just the space like you guys provide for us basically, you know, that safe space. Um, be, like there were times I wouldn't even go to the to the library. I'll just go to the office yes. just just to study, you know, and that's 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 amazing. Um, but like with all admissions thing, moving on from that, you started Fit Kitchen.
1: Fitchit Kitchen, yeah. I was called Fritcher Fritcher. Kitchen.
0: Fitty kitchen.
1: It's a little bit of a tongue twister. Fitty kitchen. Fit chick kitchen.
0: Oh, fit chick
1: kitchen. There we go. We're fit chicks. Oh, nice.
0: (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Um, how how did that come about? Okay.
1: So about, let's say two years and 80 pounds ago. Yeah. Um, I was working full-time, was going to school full-time, and I realized that I was eating I was eating out a lot, and I gained like 60 pounds during my undergraduate career. Like I was, yeah, cool. it was not, okay, maybe that's exaggeration when I'm doing the math now. It was like, well, it was like 45 to 50, but I, I gained some nasty weight. Um, and when I graduated grad school, moved back, uh, like I said, I was just working full-time, and then mm-hmm. I started school full-time, and I realized that I was eating out a lot. I didn't really have time to do anything, so I started prepping for myself on Sundays. I would just prep all of my meals for the week, and I was trying to be intentional about them. How can I incorporate my vegetables and make sure that I'm still having balanced mm-hmm. meals but that also taste good? hmm My best friend, Isabel, was at the house one Sunday and I happened to have some extra food and I was like, oh, hey, you want to take one of these meals with you for the week? She was like, oh, yeah, she took it. She texted me randomly. She's like, Kayla, this is fire. Wow. Can I come and like cook with you or can can we do this? I'm like, oh, yeah. So she just started coming and cooking with me on Sunday so Mm -hmm. she would get hers as well. I would randomly post them to Instagram, and we'd get, like, comments, like, ooh, that looks good, this and that. Had a couple people start to ask if we, like, sold them. Um, in the meantime, like, we're working out and sticking to, like, our meal preps, and we start dropping weight, the both of us. Yes. Um And so by this, by about, mm, yeah, this time last year or so, Mm -hmm. about last June or July, Mm -hmm. I had lost mm, maybe 20 pounds or so. And so it was visible enough that people were like, oh, okay, I I see you losing a little weight. (laughs) And and. So we decided to start selling them kind of informally. We sold them for a couple of weeks, and then uh, I transitioned into the interim role, the interim director role. And so my schedule got crazy busy. It was no longer feasible. We put it on ice and decided to rebrand, get all of our ducks in a row, and come back ready to like launch everything all over again. And. In that time, continued still doing our meals um, and working out, and since that since that point in time, um, I have lost a total of like sixty pounds. Wow, um, it, it's crazy! I've lost like sixty pounds. Uh, Isabel That's has lost forty. So together, we've collectively lost a hundred pounds, and um, we relaunched in February officially. So it was just kind of one of those, yeah, this past February. So it just kind of one of those. Okay, we have balanced, healthy, tasty meal prep. So you're not having to worry about that bland Mm. grilled chicken and vegetables Mm. and white rice every single day. I'm Mm. not here for it. My (laughs) taste buds hate me for stuff like that. Um, And so we started creating. They also look really pretty. Like Isabel's great with the visual side mm, of things. So she plates them and so they look pretty, they taste good, they're balanced and we have the results to prove That they actually work because last semester when I was in interim, I didn't have time to hit the gym It was simply my meals Mm -hmm. and even with staying on my meals. I continued to Mm -hmm. lose weight And so Mm -hmm. now I'm at a point where um, I'm losing like the lower part of my abdomen that takes a lot of work, but more so now like toning and just getting um, my body like
0: you know nice
1: getting it nice. right and yeah. tight you know yeah. um but yeah so fit chick kitchen was really just a we kind of we tried it on a, a trial and error type we did this for ourselves it works other people are interested hey they're willing to buy let's try this mm-hmm. out and now we have a nice little client base of that's amazing. people that that buy our food that's
0: amazing so how how can i you know access you guys
1: Instagram, okay. So uh, we are a small business at the moment. So we are a two man, a two woman team. <laughs> two women um, team. So you can follow us on Fit Chick or on Instagram mm-hmm. at Fit Chick Kitchen. Okay. Um, and then we have an email listserv. You can DM us, let us know that you want to be added to it. We release menus every week. Uh, you submit your money and your order forms, and then you can pick up or we deliver. And so you have updated menus. Nice every week. You know what we're cooking. You can check our profile and see some of the pictures of the food that we cook. Um, I love being in the kitchen, so I can absolutely throw down on some healthy alternatives, but I'm a southern girl, so I also have no problem putting my foot in some things and adding some some butter and deep frying (laughs) a little some some and getting you a nice, not healthy, but it tastes like heaven kind of meal, so... You know just one of those stress relievers for me and now it's cool because uh, it's become something that we are um, like profiting from mm-hmm. but it's weird then even because we don't do it for the profit I just really yeah. like yeah. seeing people who eat my Absolutely. food and they're like oh Absolutely. my gosh Kayla this, this is, is good, good. <laughs> <Thanks. I think laughs> that's, so too. that's amazing
0: that's amazing so how do you how do you balance all that like if, you know running the business it's cool I don't
1: know <laughs> <laughs> I get this question all the time, <laughs> um, but I found that I just don't do well with idle time. Mm. For the longest time, I've just been go, 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 go. Yeah. So if ever it gets to a point in time where I don't have anything to do, I don't do anything. Yeah. I'm un- I am super unproductive. So um, as of right now, it's like I'm working. So I'll work eight to five in the evenings. I'm either in class or I'm reading or doing homework or stuff for uh, my dissertation now. And then on weekends, so we spend Saturdays grocery shopping and like prepping the food itself. So we'll, we'll cut and like pre-prepare mm. all of our food so that on Sundays, all we have to do is cook, play and um, cook, plate and prepare slash or have them pick up or they'll will deliver. And um, so I've realized that when I'm with that, I'm pretty much working seven days a week. But That's I think wild. that a lot of my ability to balance comes from the fact that. I'm so passionate about all of the things that I do that I never really so think of them about like yeah. I never think of them as work um, you know, like I'm at work eight to five and like there are sometimes when I'll just do a little spin in my chair and I'm like, oh my God yeah I'm getting paid yeah. for this. there are people that hate their jobs and I'm yeah. someone's paying me to do this yeah. and it doesn't feel like work that's so crazy that's awesome amazing. you know so <laughs> I think when again you align with your passion and your mm-hmm. purpose mm-hmm. and um you and paraphrasing again that quote that i've seen like Mm -hmm. find something that you love and you'll never work a day in your life Mm -hmm. and that's kind of where i think i'm at now i I love everything that i do so
0: that's amazing i'm excited for you
1: you know (laughs) all the way up all the way up breaking all of the general cycle or Mm -hmm. generational cycles climbing all of the ladders, shattering all of the glass ceilings because they plan. are not barriers for mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. and really just out here trying to be great. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. You know, Kayla, honestly, like it's it's been a pleasure knowing you. It's It's been a pleasure just getting to work with you. You know, you're amazing. I, I mean, I know we'll keep staying in touch, so it's okay. good.
1: Don't leave me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll come back. I'll come back sometime. No,
1: I love it. It's been an absolute... Um, honor just getting to know you and you sharing your culture and the stories in your life. I just, again, it's one of those, thank you for trusting me with your life and with your experience. Um, I I don't take it lightly. As you know, it's not at all anything that I push to the side, but take with great responsibility. And I'm so glad that you've seen me as such. For the culture,
0: <laughs> for the culture, Kayla. <laughs> um, just just closing up. Basically, um, what advice would you give to like young professional, like uh, people of color out there who you know come from disadvantaged backgrounds and are trying to like make it
1: big in life? You know, you have to have a vision when no one else has a vision, um, and don't allow society to shape how you see yourself. Um, If I think about myself, I shouldn't be here. I had every single odd against me, Um, but I also realized that I was so much more than just a statistic, and in realizing that, refused to become that statistic. Um, There are just certain spaces that aren't meant for you, and so recognize those spaces, navigate them regardless, And then look back knowing that you were able to overcome and be successful at something that was never intended for you to begin with Um, it's it's amazing like when you know who you are and you don't allow the outside world to shape how you view yourself and how you choose to maneuver in the world, the possibilities are literally endless. (laughs) But I also understand that like, hey, it's so easy to get caught up in what other people think about you, Mm -hmm. what other people are expecting of you. Um, So know that it's normal to do so. It happens, but at no point in time should we place more emphasis on how others view us than we do on how we view ourselves. Because at the end of the day, Others people's perceptions aren't getting us to where we want to be. Absolutely. When we get there, it's not going to be, hey, we got here together. <laughs> Though, yes, there is a level of accountability. If these people aren't contributing to mm-hmm. your growth and your upward mobility, the perceptions mm-hmm. are relevant. You know you. And sometimes, that, what's that gospel song say? Sometimes you have to encourage yourself. So surround yourself with people who are gonna pour into you know yourself and don't take no for an answer you can't get into the front door guess what there's a back door there's a window uh shovel through that little chimney we are getting in get in in some form or fashion (laughs) and don't don't take no for an answer
0: i feel inspired right now (laughs) you know hey don't boost me (laughs) thank you so much it's been a pleasure what we hug
1: (laughs) Oh thank you. (laughs) Of course. Pleasure online. Thank you all. (laughs) Bam. Good? Yeah. And